cliffcentral.com. Please note that the views expressed and the advice provided in this show are for general advice and entertainment purposes only. Nothing stated should be treated as a substitute for your own independent legal advice based on your own specific facts and objectives. Therefore, the presenter and cliffcentral.com accept no liability of any nature whatsoever, either expressed or implied. Law, like you've never heard it before. The Laws of Life with Gary Hertzberg on CliffCentral.com. I'm Gary Hertzberg, and uh, this is The Laws of Life on CliffCentral.com. Alongside me today, Lionel Makoko-Klela. Welcome, Lionel. Afternoon, Gary, and afternoon to our listeners, and Jumelang to everybody who's actually tr- streaming and downloading our podcast. We have a great segment right now. It's about a, a young hairdresser, 20 years old, who went to work for a company, hmm. a salon lines, and uh, he worked there for a while he'll give you all the facts and uh, after he left well whilst he was there they asked him to sign a restraint of trade which most companies kind of compel you to do he signed the restraint he then left and they tried to stop him from earning a living seriously yeah but you're going to hear i can't give away the end of this one you've got to hear the law is also so interesting so in studio today we have a man called joshua although the court papers uh, reflect him as Joseph. It's Joshua Vinciguera. 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 That's it. Yes. And you're with your attorney, Zahira Bobat. Thank you for having me on your show, Gary. Great. Okay. Oh, interesting surnames. Yeah. <laughs> what is yours? Is it Spanish or? It's actually Italian. Italian. Ooh, yes. Italiano. You know it. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Now, um, you left, you left school. You didn't finish your matric. And you decided you want to be a hairdresser. Quite right. Take your hat off. Let's see what your hair looks like. Well, yeah, this is the latest fashion. Oh, the boys yeah. Got it. Not like really. A, yeah, Lionel Messi. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, what is this? What well, do you call it? I'm aiming for a little bit of a Vikings look. So I'm growing a bit of a ponytail at the top and going to braid it into something. Make it look cool. Okay, okay. we're going to take a picture of you and we're going to tweet it and we're going to put it all over the place and uh, people can see what a good hairdresser you are. Well, thank no you wonder they wanted to stop you. <laughs> okay, so at uh, what age were you when you went to work for the salon? So I was working at the salon when I was 19, or just before I turned 19, so still 18. Yep. They also gave you some training, didn't they? Yes, I actually studied through the, through the college and then I worked in one of the salons. Yeah. For quite a while as a, as an apprentice and then eventually finished. Okay, so, so let's go slowly. You went, uh, first of all, they give you a, a, year, a year's training for free. Is that right? Oh, no, no, no. I paid uh, for the training. Oh, you paid for the yes. training? And whilst you're having the training, are you cutting hair or what do you do? Oh, you do everything. You go through everything. So you're working in the salon as well at the same time or not? Well, at college, you work one day a week at yeah. salon. Yeah. And um, the rest of the time, you're in class. In the mornings, you do theory. Afternoons is practical. Okay. Uh, talk to us about the contract that they placed in front of you, this restraint of trade. Did you really know what you were signing or was it just some document you thought I better, I have to sign? Well, that as well. So for me, I had to obviously sign the contract so that I could work in the salon and working in the salon is important so that I can get my hours in order to become qualified to do my final practical observation, the final test. At what point do they put this contract in front of you? Is it when you start out with them or after you've qualified? Well, it depends. If you're working there part-time yeah. and you're going to study through them, with them, and they're going to pay for your studies, then I presume it would be before. And uh, if you were going to look to work with them further on after studying the year full-time, then you would obviously have to sign a contract. 
Okay, did you really know what you were signing? That's the that's the question. Well, I then, did, but then. then I thought I did. I did. I, well, I, yeah, I, th- I thought I knew what I was signing. Did, I did you go take through it, it? Did you take it to someone to look at, or did you? I just did. I, I had somebody read through it and yeah. kind of just ask me what, or show me what I should be asking them. What does this mean? Can you elaborate on this? You know, those sort of things, just so that I could also understand for myself what am okay, I Okay, well, let's very briefly, I mean, the contract is tough and tight, but let's have a look at just one or two clauses. It says that you undertake that you will not during this, the restraint period, and the restraint period is for one year. Yeah. So what they're really saying is for one year, after you leave the employ of the salon, you won't in any capacity whatsoever, whether it's a, an, a, a partner, whether it's an assistant or whatever it may be, you will not take up employment, consult to, or be associated with any other salon for one year Sorry. within a 10-kilometer radius. As the crow flies. As the crow flies. That's do, a big thing. Do they pay you for that? Like, you no, know. no, no. You get nothing for that. You got nothing. You, got, nothing. you got nothing for that. Absolutely. So they said if you leave us for one year, you cannot work for any other salon for 10 kilometers as the crow flies. Well, you see, now, that's, that's quite far that, if you take it from, say, Hyde Park or wherever it is. Yeah, yeah it's, it's very big. Yeah. It's about all the way to, like, the airport almost. <laughs> wow. So it kind of knocks you out of business in... In the in the in northern the general, suburbs, absolutely. Yeah. So if you've if you've got all your friends in the northern suburbs of Joburg, you've knocked out, and you've got to go probably to the south or far. Even from, yeah, I went, and I checked. Even four ways more was too far for me. I had to be further than four ways. So the the areas I could choose were areas where I'm not so well equipped to work with the clients that are in that area. If you know what I mean. Yeah. So sort of a lot more Afrikaans or maybe a lot. Um, very different styles You know We get taught A very specific Structured um, How do I say Mathematical cuts mm. And now A lot of other salons Elsewhere yep. They do They do uh, Hairstyles and cuts That are not necessarily Mathematical Or precise It's more Choppy And You know As to what those clients like I think the concern Of the salon Is that If you left And you took the expertise that they gave you, you took their clients, it's a concern for them. Well, and if every salon owner has 20, 30 stylists working for them, they all walk out with the, with the tricks of the trade, you know, it's, it's very hurtful. So that's why they make people sign this. Well, absolutely. But, you know, you see the, the thing with the contract is it, it actually contradicts itself. So where I was confused was it says in there 5.2 as the crow flies, yeah. and then further down it says 10 kilometers. So from my understanding, it was 10 kilometers as the car drives and 5.2 as the crow flies. Yeah. They say in the contract that they were worried that you would be exposed to their clients, which you were on a personal level, and that would enable you to forge all kinds of personal relationships with each client. And if you left them, you would hop those clients and go away with them. That's yeah. their concern. Which is, yeah, that's which what is they were fighting. Well, yeah. I suppose. Yeah. Where, where things are a bit different, you're 19 years old or you're 20 years old, they've got to take that into and account. And I also wasn't as qualified as most of the people who are working there, you know, so a lot of those clients, they might have come to me in trusting that their stylist said, go to him, he's good. Yeah. But now if I just go, they're not necessarily just going to come follow me. Yeah, I mean, we're talking here, assuming that they have a, a stylist who's been there for a number of years, he's built up. A lot of clients from them and a reputation. That I can understand. But you're a 19, 20-year-old. I mean, what are you going to do to strip their business? But this is where the argument comes. This is the whole deal. And you went – you decided you were going to leave them one day, whatever your reasons were. 
And you decided to... Well, I, well, what happened was I was offered a job by somebody. Yes. And um, obviously I went to go see, make sure that I was out of the restraint. I never wanted to cause any issues for myself. I never wanted to go through any of the legal processes. So I tried from my side to be as clear as possible in the safe. And uh, unfortunately, when I did make a move, finally, I wasn't in the clear at all. Okay, well, let's talk about what salary you were earning whilst you were working as a, as what, as a junior stylist? As what a did junior you, stylist. What did you get initially? Uh, it was just a basic salary. Like how much? Three grand a month or somewhere around there? Um, about, or well, the basic salary was 5,200 and something, something. Mm. That was the basic salary. And then commission was about... 10%, 15%. So in effect, you were really, you were earning minimal, minim, well, minimally, you were earning like 5,300 rand a I month. If I had to put it to layman terms for you, yeah. in terms of the commission I was making, I was making about 8 rand on a blow dry. Is that so all? So every person I was seeing and doing a blow dry, I was making about 8 rand. Okay. You also suffer from dyslexia. Yes. Which is something that you discuss openly. Oh, absolutely. And uh, it's, it's no sign of being dull or stupid at absolutely all. Absolutely not. In fact, very creative people have this. And I'll talk to you a little if we have time at the end. I know Steven Spielberg, I think, has you know, this. Einstein? Richard Einstein? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there you go. There we go. Okay. It's just, I mean, I'm, I'm quite interested. Do you read words differently? Or in your case, how does it affect So you? in my yeah. case, um, I've also got astigmatism. Yep. So I don't know if you know what astigmatism yeah, yeah. is, the Things shaping of the eye, yeah. and um, my eyes pick up lines diagonally rather than vertically. Is it a bit like seeing a movie out of focus? or? Um, no, not necessarily. Yeah. Everything's in focus. But when I read something, if I skip a few lines, I won't even notice that I've skipped the lines. And um, I'm so focused on trying to understand what I've read, or rather just to read it, yeah. that I don't remember what I've read. So okay. if I skip three or four lines... I don't always even pick it up because I've forgotten what I've just read and I'm focusing on what I'm reading. So that would be the tricky part of the dyslexia. Yeah. So, but I um, mean, in terms of the way that I read, I would say sometimes I swap the B's and the D's, you know, the V's and the W's. So when I look at the words, I kind of stutter on myself, you know, kind of, how do I say, um, I lose myself, you know, when I'm reading words. I'm trying so hard to sound out what it is that I'm not even trying to read the word. When you were at school, you must have taken a lot of heat on this one. It was difficult for you. Well, yeah, it definitely was. Um, I managed to get my teachers to allow me to read orals to them at their table, not in front of the whole class, because it was very embarrassing for me. And uh, when when I was in primary school, I was allowed to write in print, not cursive, because I couldn't read the cursive, even if it was my own handwriting. What about a computer when you type an email or whatever? Do you get the, the letters mixed up? Or Funny enough, not at all, hey? Yeah. Not at all. You type normally? Absolutely. And Actually very well. Yeah. Oh. Excellent. Yeah. Good. Okay. So you decided someone offered you another job and you wanted to move on, right? Absolutely. You're a very talented young hairdresser and we're going to push for you today because we want people to come to your salon. Well, that would be nice. Yeah, why not? not? Gay. Why not? Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> not that that's a big thing. Yeah, well, well, it is too long. Gay people are the best. <laughs> okay, go- lads. Okay. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> move on from it. Okay. Lionel is very pro-gay I and can good see. and, and, and bless him. And so am I as a, as a straight hairdresser. I'm still pro all the Guys, yeah, we all are. All the way. I mean, we, that's why Lionel's with us today because they add a little, they add a little <laughs> bit of flavor into the story. And don't he's they? also very talented. But let's move on from Lionel. Let's talk about you. So you decided that you would leave your employer, notwithstanding that you had this restraint hanging over your head. Absolutely. 
Did you take legal advice before you left them, or did you just leave them and then take take so your chances? So I, I did phone my bargaining council, yeah. find out the procedures, what can I do, what can't I do. Yeah. Um, I did, to my understanding, I was in my parameters and I was safe. Did they give you advice on a restraint of trade? They about? did, and they yeah. told me that their industry norm was about five kilometers. And I oh. said to them, I do remember, because another thing was I never got a copy of my contract, and it is something I asked for from the beginning. Yeah. So I, leaving, I also wasn't too sure. And when I had a meeting with the, with the company before I left, the, um, the CEO sat down with me, she discussed with me, and she reminded me of my restraint, but she didn't mention that it was as the crow flies. So from my understanding, I thought 10 kilometers must be as the car drives and the 5.2 was as the crow flies. Was as oh. the crow flies. Oh. So I worked on those details when I moved. Did she tell you they, were, they would probably enforce the restraint of trade? She did warn me. She said oh. that they were very serious and in my case they would definitely – Forward. They must have been yeah, fearful of you. Well, because you, she said yeah. to me that actually they, they were looking one day to make me a trainer and a teacher and they could just see me going very far inside their company. So yeah. you're good? Uh, definitely. They were try, probably, probably trying to block you from uh, leaving one of the well, one of The, the ideas. whole thing, yeah. when we were asking, obviously, for a settlement, all that they were interested in was me coming back. Yeah, that was the only thing that they were willing to settle for. Okay, so you left, notwithstanding the restraint, and you moved on to someone within ten kilometers. Yes, a salon within ten kilometers. How long had you been there before this avalanche of court papers arrived on your? My goodness, I would say not even two weeks. Did you get notice? Did you get a letter or anything, or did you just get the court application? Well. From my side, I was at the salon. Some guy walked in asking for a Joseph Vinciguera with these big stacks of paper. The sheriff of the court probably. We turned around and said, there's no Joseph working here, but I'm Mr. Joshua Vinciguera. So he sat down, gave us all the stuff. Um, Obviously, he said to me that that they'd emailed me and sent me a letter, which I'd never received. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of how it was all thrown on me. And it all happened after Facebook. After posting it on Facebook, that's when all of this... What did you post on Facebook? I just posted, obviously, that I've I've moved and I'm now and I'm now at so and so, and you can at the Morning View Shopping Centre, and you can find me there. Yeah, and that's kind of what happened. You got hold of Zaira. Yes, Zaira is actually a client who who came to me once, but a long time ago. Zaira is very nice. Mm. Yeah, she's actually a client of my mom. Moisturized. (laughs) Yeah, my mom's also a hairdresser, and uh, Zaira goes to my mother. And when she heard I was in the situation, I phoned her. She helped me. She was on holiday. She still took out the time to read through the papers, yeah. get me sorted, and before the before the the court dates and everything, we were we were really feeling strong about it all. So, Hiri, this was an application that was brought as a matter of urgency. Yes, it yeah. was urgent inter, uh, interdictory relief that was sought against Josh. Yeah. Early in December, mm. and uh, what we had decided was, uh, I must um, I must applaud Josh. He had a lot of courage and showed a lot of faith and sheer determination when confronting this issue. He came to me. He was decided. He wanted to defend the action, and we did. We defended it, and I mean, Josh, he was did, successful. Did you know, Josh, what this would cost you if you lost? I tell you, I had no idea. And every single the problem for me was working in a salon. I'd ask my clients, "What do you yeah. tell them about this? What you do you know, think?" Everyone said, "No, fight it." You know, no, no, no. A lot of them actually scared me. They were yeah. telling me like three hundred thousand if you lose and this and that. So I, I was actually sitting in such a scary point of like space where do I do this and then I lose and then I've got all this money I have to pay and then I can't work and then I, you know what am I going to do or do I fight this because if I win I could necessarily afford to 
to actually pay this all off, but I need to win in order to do this. So it was a very difficult situation I was in. Absolutely. Uh, you know that if you lose a high court case, the cost can run into a few hundred thousand oh. round. Yeah, and, uh, and, and, and yeah, big and, firms and coming from Cape Town, it was, was very nerve wracking. It could easily have gone anyway, Gary. I must yeah. say there is a great misconception out there in the public. Uh, in terms of restraints of trade, where people essentially think that, you know, uh, they aren't enforceable. Mm. However, I think, uh, you know, let me just clarify that restraint of trades are enforceable in South African law. The position in South African law is quite clear in terms of this. They are enforceable. And should you wish to prove otherwise, um, the onus lies uh, on the employee in this case, hmm. um, you know, to take up this and prove unreasonableness or the fact that the restraint of trade is contrary to public policy or public interest. Yes. Yeah. Okay. The law. Yeah. I mean, these these restraints of trade are enforced every day. Absolutely. Uh, people are stopped from taking uh, customer lists, taking all the secrets that they that they trade get was trade secrets, they call them. Intellectual property. Yeah, the pricing, the pricing that uh, the employer gets the goods at. They know all the stuff. Their customer listen and they move on and they use that information. Definitely. Yeah. Another thing to take into account, Gary, is that it's quite a contentious and complicated aspect of law. And what people don't understand is that each case is examined individually. And the circumstances surrounding each case are on a case-by-case basis. And when a dispute arises, um, obviously it's not one shoe fits all. There are no hard and fast rules governing restraints. Mm. And that's uh, an important fact to bear in mind. I think the biggest mistakes are here are that lawyers – not lawyers, that, that, that industry makes – is that they use restraints of trade – one fits all. So that's they it. take a restraint of trade and they use it across the board and that's wrong. And in fact, in the salon, they should never do that. They should use a restraint of trade should be crafted for each dif- individual. Definitely. It's great for lawyers that. Should definitely it's, be it's designed that, to yeah. suit the individual, which is how this case actually was concluded, where the judge pointed out and said that there was no differentiation made between, say, for instance, senior or master stylists and junior stylists such as Josh. Mm. And she said that, you know, one size fits all covenant is problematic. Mm. And, mm. Uh, you know, the ambit is too fast and you can't take this specific restraint and, you know, um, it wouldn't apply to everyone. So in this case, it gave us the opportunity to defend it. Whereas if it was properly, if it, if it was properly crafted and designed, then it might have been a, a little more challenging and problematic than it yeah. was. You briefed an advocate as well. Yes, definitely. Uh, A good friend and colleague of mine, advocate Roxanne Blumenthal, Mm. who has done a sterling job on this case. Amazing job. Yeah. Yeah, Was she good in court? Oh, she had to see her work. She was power. Were you in court when the matter was argued? I was there the whole time. It was actually, this whole experience was something that I will never regret, actually, because I learned so much from all of it, just going through it all, watching how it's done. Mm. It's nothing like what you Mm. see on TV. Stand-up objection, nothing like that. No, at it's all. all decided on the papers. So what happens is they filed an affidavit, which was attached to their urgent application to interdict you, and then you replied. 
Absolutely. And you set out your whole story. And I just explained everything that yeah. I could, everything to save me. When you were in court, did you feel the judge was leaning towards you or did you have no indication of where the judge was on this one? I tell you, it was a little bit mixed because um, in the situation, the judge was getting a little bit irritated. You know, the, lawyer, the other lawyers were taking very long to explain what they were trying to say. Mm. And it came across like it was being dragged out. And uh, you could see she was getting very... A little bit irritated. So from that point of view, I, I had no idea. And also what happened was she asked a question and I nodded my head. And she turned around to me and said, please, I don't want you to nod or anything. I'm speaking to the lawyers, not to you. So after that, I was also still a little bit like, who knows? <laughs> I hope I didn't stand on the, yeah, big time. Let's give it to you the way the court said it. The court said the following. They said there's no evidence on the papers that any of the salon's clients have followed you. Absolutely. Okay, so they didn't put any evidence to say A, B, C, and D followed you, A. And uh, although there was a risk, the court said, but they didn't produce that evidence. And uh, they accepted, they accept the evidence contained in the papers that your client base was in the region of 20 to 30 people. And those, that is such a negligible amount of people in relation to the salons Absolute, hundreds overall, and thousands absolutely. of clients and I think that's really what the court said this is nonsense you're a 20 year old at best you're going to take 20 uh, clients you're not going to cripple their business and they threw the case out of court and you won absolutely what a what a victory the crux of it was that it was unreasonable to enforce the restraint of trade in this particular instance. Mm. However, there are numerous instances where they are enforced and people are held accountable to the restraint of trade and are unable to take up employment elsewhere. Yeah, like Zaira so said, it's, it's all about the, the circumstances of the situation. You, you're lucky you were young and the evidence wasn't great and also that uh, – you know, there wasn't much damage you could do to them. Otherwise, you probably would have lost this case if you were a senior stylist yeah. there. Yeah, I, I do think if I had stayed maybe a, another year, I would have been. I would yeah. have been in a bad. Situation. They, they say you were just a junior. You were 21 years old, and uh, there was no great risk. And you know, we're not going to uphold this restraint. Lines, how do you feel about? No, that? I feel very that uh, you know what. Never listen to people and just always follow your inner uh, spirit or so whatever your inner voice tells you. Go follow for your it. convictions. Yes, no, certainly. But I think what also he did, it was very much uh, good because he was very proactive because he did speak to them. But I think what they did also in terms of actually going uh, involving lawyers without actually informing him, that was totally wrong on their side. But needless to say, they had the money. I cannot really take yeah, it. Look, these restraints of trade are tricky. And uh, although you won it, to our listeners out there, if you've signed a restraint, be very careful. Very careful. Most of these are enforced to protect the intellectual so, rights of the company that you work for, yeah. obviously. I think you should never think yeah. that they won't enforce it. Yeah. They will definitely, if they've put it on you, they're going to enforce it. Well, they wanted to make a. Set an example. You set an yeah. example, a guinea pig as such. Absolutely. And, uh, you, you you overturned it. As far as the costs are concerned, did you get your bill of cost taxed? And no, we didn't. Yet? We just um, agreed um, between the parties to settle at a certain price. On the costs? On the costs. Yeah. Also, Do you have any idea of what their costs are that they paid their lawyers? Would you? I'm sure they're quite exorbitant. They had the council from Cape Town flying down to Johannesburg. Oh, really? They brought in a yeah, Cape they stayed Town at the hotel yeah. and they went to a show. So <laughs> they yeah. told us this just to make us nervous, I think. 
really. Yeah. The case was argued on one day or did it extend beyond a day? It was argued a full day in court and yeah. the judgment came out a couple of days later. Yeah. So uh, Josh had to go home with a little bit of anxiety. How did you break the news to Josh? Did You, you got the news. No, no, I was with her when, when we got the news. We went uh, back in for the judgment. Uh, yes. Okay, it was read out? It was read out, yeah. Uh, we didn't really hear what the, what the judge had said and obviously yeah. when we stepped outside with everybody, they explained... We'd yeah. won. What a relief that was. Yeah, this was, this was in the Johannesburg Labor Court, and the judge was a Rabkin Nika. A Cape Town judge. Yeah. Cape Town judge, but uh, I think she was very impartial, and uh, I'm glad the judgment went our way. Absolutely. Talk to us about what you intend doing and uh, what you offer and where people can get hold of you. Well, I'm working now at the Morning View Shopping Center. Yeah, where is that? That's, uh, it's right next to the River Church in Santon, just down uh, South Road. Yeah. So if you, had, if you were to type in on the Garmin 100 South Road, it would take you right to my front door. How many kilometers is it, in fact, from the from, from, your, the, from, from, from the, the old salon? salon. Yeah, the yeah. old salon, uh, in terms of as the car drives, because yeah. none of my clients fly by crow, but yeah. in terms of as the car drives, it's uh, 11, col- 11 kilometers, if I'm correct. Yeah, I think they were being very petty here. I, yeah. think, uh, I really doubt that anyone would have followed you from Hyde Park to, to Morningside. I think yeah. Josh initially took an Uber to measure the distance oh, between yeah. Hyde Park and Morningside. Well, I, I had no real other way of doing it. I, sh- yeah. I should have got one of those school wheels, you know, when you learn measurements. <laughs> yeah. Ran the whole way. Yardsticks. Yeah. yeah. You know, we had wonderful. We had a wonderful show before this, and I hope uh, you'll pick it up on the podcast. Uh, we had the two ladies from the African Women's Movement. Yes. And maybe you get in there, and you can do a oh, lot of hair yeah. there. Would sure that be fantastic? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I think we have to I do. I'm you slowly to getting into the ethnic hair as well. Oh, you it's can a lot of fun. Oh, we can definitely fix this situation. Can you, fix <laughs> <laughs> you can Red fix, locks, you can fix Yeah, man, we definitely. Uh, our researcher Benji, he's got saggy pants, but his hair needs a bit of zhuzhing up. Needs a bit of a lift. Maybe a bit of highlights there, Josh. I, I wouldn't go that far. Hey? <laughs> well, Josh, you could have been three hundred thousand rand poorer. Absolutely. If you'd lost this case, but you won it, and well done. Mm-hmm. Thank you, God. Yeah, to you and your legal team, and good luck with your career. Thank you very much. Yeah. And if anybody's looking for a master style, they know where to find me. Ben, do you want to say something? Just so? a quick one. What's the going rate for a gent's haircut? Uh, going rate, I wouldn't know too bad, but for me, I charge 250 Okay, perfect. Okay. I think What's the common there, Josh? <laughs> yeah, because I think my hairdresser is ripping me off a bit, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, anyway. no, a lot of them are. Okay, cool. Thank you. Are you paying Where more than 250 Ben? Yeah, about 270 yeah. No, that's yeah. not too bad. Okay. Yeah. The guy Pretty must be like really good or is something. Is that including the tip or without No, the... and you get like a bit of a head rub before. Head so massage. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Indian head oh, massage. Oh, you get that here anyways. Yeah, yeah, Do you yeah, give cool. that to here? No. No, no, yeah. I just get that from um, Josh's mom, yeah. Indian head massage, yeah. Uh, Josh, uh, should you tip your hairdresser? Um, that's uh, it's personal. Should you t- tip your waiter? Yes, you do. well, I mean, that's, that's a known. You know, uh, it's not always. You, hey? It depends. Yeah. If you feel like what you're paying for what you've got is, more, is less, yeah. so let me rephrase that. So if you feel like the job you got is worth more than what you're paying, yeah. then I feel like you should tip. But if not, and you feel like it's worth the price, then don't. What do you tip if you want to tip? Is there a percent, or is it just like whatever you off, feel? Off two fifty, what are your twenty rand, or you know what? It's all dependent on the individual. All dependent on the individual. I've got some people that give me five hundred rand. The rest is mine. They're used to paying five hundred rand. That's how much they used to be charged. Wow. So they're willing Wise. for my cuts to let me have the rest and pay the same price. So it, it depends from person to person. Are you learning? Are you learning a lot more money now? I, I am seeing a lot more of my money than what I was before. 
Cool. Jeez, it takes 250 for haircuts. You know how much we pay? 30 bucks. I just so want to be white <laughs> and want to be rich. <laughs> just a quick thing. I see Rafil, we're in the studio. I'd just like to say AWM sounds like a lovely initiative and hopefully we'll be joining as well. Excellent. All right. That's the voice of Zahira Bobat. You're an attorney in Johannesburg. Based in Melrose, Johannesburg. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Very friendly, very nice. Okay, yeah. well done everyone And uh, yeah, just Thanks for having us Gary Watch out for these restraints They're not that easy to get out of But you did Cheers, we'll see you again Thanks Thank you very, very much, much Gary Tuesday, same time, same place Law Like you've never heard it before The Laws of Life With Gary Hertzberg On cliffcentral.com Cliffcentral.com